you know, everyone wants to start big and launch big, but starting small is actually wonderful because you get to practice and you get to learn the ropes and you get to say, okay, well that didn't work well, but thankfully that email went out to five people instead of 500,000 people, which causes a lot more problems. If there's a mistake, there is beauty in that gradual process of just starting small and knowing that there's value in that. You don't have to go from one to a million right in the beginning or one to a hundred. You can start small and that is part of the process that is going to make you get to that next level. Welcome to CEO School. We're your hosts, Sunira Madani and Shannon Monson, and we believe you deserve to have it all. Less than 2% of female founders ever break 1 million in revenue, and we're on a mission to change that. Each week, you'll learn from incredible mentors who've made it to the 2% Club, as well as women well on their way, sharing how they've defied the odds so you can do it too. You're a real business now, and class is officially in session. This episode is sponsored by The Club, a quarterly box and digital monthly community to help you level up in leadership and life. Learn more today at join.theceoschool.co slash the club. Welcome to today's podcast. I'm so excited to introduce you to Robin Long. Robin is the founder and CEO of The Balanced Life, an online membership community that provides quick and effective Pilates workouts for busy women. She is a certified Pilates instructor and passionate about creating programs that empower, strengthen, restore, and rejuvenate her clients from the inside out. She believes in a guilt-free, balanced approach to health and fitness and is passionate about helping women love and care for their bodies in the midst of their busy lives. I know Robin is also a mom like me, a lot of our listeners, and something that's really resonated with me with her Pilates programs is how achievable it is for us to fit in our workout at any time. And I'm so excited to introduce you to Robin and her story. Robin, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. So let's get started. You run a seven plus figure Pilates membership business. So like we're going to set the tone here. You were doing this on a very large scale. How did you go from Pilates instructor to running this huge digital empire? Yeah, it's a, it takes me back to think of how it all really started. But like you said, I've been doing this for quite a long time. So I feel like my path from how I got from Pilates instructor to um, having this online community was very gradual and probably slower, to be honest, than someone who's coming into the market now and into the industry now. Now, um, not that there's more opportunity, it's easier to get online. So that's really exciting for people who are looking to do this um, and encouraging. For me at the time, it was more than 10 years ago. I was teaching um, as an in-person Pilates instructor. I know you can relate to this, Shannon. We have similar journeys in that I was trying to make a living as a Pilates instructor. My husband was in grad school. So I was you know, the one the only one working while he was over in school and we were like ships in the night just passing each other was waking up at 5 a.m. to teach those Pilates classes and take any work that I could. Um, Especially when you're brand new in the fitness space, you have to take the worst hours, right? You have to take the hours that none of the other instructors want to take. Um, So I was doing that, but I was determined. I had set an initial goal for myself too. My main goal was like, I just want to make as much as I was 
before when I was in a corporate job. Like that was my goal. Could I follow my dream and meet that same paycheck? And it took a while, especially when I realized I'm getting paid how much per hour? Like that's it. (laughs) And you're Um, prepping for classes and you're doing all this other stuff on the side. And you're running all across town just to get to one class. But ultimately... I I loved what I was doing and figured out how to build a community with my clients first. So I really think that what I'm doing now, it's really interesting to see the threads that have carried over into, I wasn't the best Pilates instructor at the time. I was new. So I spent a lot of time on building relationships with my clients, trying to set myself apart from the other instructors. And we could talk about that if you want to. But then I realized pretty quickly that I had maxed out. So my, whether it was in my hours, I could not work any more hours and be a healthy human. And then I was kind of at the top of the pay range as well. So, you know, you can kind of only charge so much for in-person training. And and I was, I was stretching myself there even, but at the time I was like, I know I'm going to move again. So I, you know, every time I moved, I had to start over with clientele. So I knew when my husband was going to be on a grad school that we would move again. And I also knew that I wanted to have a family someday And I didn't necessarily see how that was going to work, working the hours that I was working. It can work, but you have to have some support from somewhere else in order to make it work as an in-person instructor to be able to pay the bills. So it was when that, and then also my clients just saying, okay, when you move, how can we keep in touch with you? How can we keep working with you? And so that's when I started my first online program, just using my iPhone in my bedroom. I did not have a model to follow. I was literally making it up as I was going figured out how to figure out how to get a payment through. I used this thing called eJunkie that like linked to, I mean, it was just hodgepodge, but, but I figured it out and I just kept doing it. And then I kind of found a program that had traction and I kept running that year after year. And eventually I transitioned that into the online membership program that we have today. So there's a lot in there, but I will leave that to you to decide what's most helpful to talk about. There's a lot of really exciting things here. So I think about, you know, you started this business 10 years ago, more or less. Is that right? Accurate Mm -hmm. timeline. Okay. Yeah. 10 years ago, what... Robin is telling us is even to do a checkout on a website was hard. I remember because I was there in it too. Now anyone, you can sell through Instagram. Like you can, oh, it's so easy so to good. set up these like portals for transactions to happen now. But 10 years ago, that wasn't even an opportunity. And now if you want to teach an online course or so many membership models that you can have, you know, you can use Thinkific or Kajabi or Kartra or, you know, build out a custom one. But then I remember my first membership site, I custom, like I learned how to code and custom yeah. build that because I was too cheap to, to pay someone. And what stands out to me is there was no path to follow. And the reason I'm excited about this, because I feel like right now for a lot of people listening, there's so many new opportunities because of the shift in COVID that didn't exist a year ago. And there's going to be times where you have to just figure it out. So I want you to take us back to, you're like, okay, I've got an iPhone. I can record videos. I have 15 people at this studio that want to, you know, purchase from me and seven over here what do you think allowed you to figure it out and really go where no one had gone before? Because now, yes, having a digital fitness program, this is not novel, but it was then. Yeah, it totally was. And I love that you estimated I had that many people who were interested because was it, it was more like it was more like one client, one mother-in-law, and my mom were That's interested. <laughs> but each time I ran it, I got a little better and got another person or a friend recommended a friend. So I always like to share that because literally when I launched it, there was it was kind of crickets. 
but there was one person and there was my mother-in-law. So I at least got to run it through, try it, figure out what worked and what didn't work. And that's kind of the beauty of when, you know, everyone wants to start big and launch big, but starting small is actually wonderful because you get to practice and you get to learn the ropes and you get to say, okay, well, that didn't work well, but thankfully that email went out to five people instead of 500,000 people. Um, which causes a lot more problems if there's right. a mistake. So um, there is beauty in that gradual process um, of just kind of starting small and knowing that there's value in that. You don't have to go from one to a million right in the beginning or one to a hundred. You can start small and that is part of the process that is going to make you get to that next level. But I remember one thing I honestly thought to myself a lot Um, And I still use this now, but I I can actually remember sitting on the couch in my little tiny apartment and I launched the program and I was like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I figured if I couldn't figure it out, I could probably find someone to pay to figure it out for me. Like that, that was a safety net for me when I was like, I don't know how to get the video (laughs) to the people and they paid me $300 and I was worried that I wouldn't be able to deliver. But I thought, there's someone out there, if I had to, worst case scenario, that I could pay and find to help me figure this out, right? Even if that mean, meant I didn't or make money and I went, you know, I, yeah. it was a learning experience. But that really helped guide me to say, whatever problem I run into, if I can't figure it out, there's someone out there who can help me figure it out. And that really helped me to like push forward. That's such a beautiful mindset because I think it is easy to be like, I'm stuck. This isn't going to work and to stop and to quit. Mm -hmm. And I think something I've seen in you, you know, you might not know this, but I've been following your business for probably five, six, seven years. I mean, we collaborated on something, I think probably five years ago. So I've seen the progression of this and that mindset that if I do get stuck, it's not either I can do it or I can't. It's, it's going to get done Mm-hmm. Is it going to be me or someone else? <laughs> am mm-hmm. I going to actually make a profit or am I going to yeah. take a loss or you know break even to figure it out? And I think mm-hmm. that, sh- that speaks a lot to your resilience. So, okay, you start figuring out, I figured out how to get this video to people who paid you $300. And this, you have a few people that are liking your program. How did you go from your first five to your first 30 or your first 50? I'd love to hear about that transition. Yeah, that is good to look back on. I'm pretty sure it was a combination of kind of what I did in my in-person training. How I set myself apart there was I tried to really care about the person. Mm-hmm. Like novel concept, but I tried to really care about the person. So I genuinely gave each client like my all. I gave them, I listened to them, I cared for them. I gave them, you know, a quick email response. There was coaching involved in the time. I went above and beyond to make them feel appreciated and seen and heard, which translates across all industries. So, right? Whether you're in fitness, whether you're in business consulting, whether you're in some other kind of service, helping your customer or your client or your member feel seen and heard goes a really long way. Because then what would happen? I mean, that's what that's what helped my in-person business boom. I wasn't doing amazing Pilates classes. I was connecting with the people and noticing them and that made a big impact. So I carried that over into the online space. And when I did that, I think a couple of things happened. One, they became return customers. So I was... I mean, I didn't call them customers. So return clients at the time. So um, I would run the same program every three to four months. I would just run it again, the Pilates body program. And they kept coming back. 
So they would be like, it was so good the first time. I need the accountability. I want the support. So I'm going to do it again. And so of course I had a returning, you know, returning client price and stuff, but that was not because it was a new program, but simply because of the interaction and the support that they felt. And then they would tell their friends. And so they would have a sister-in-law join or, you know, uh, uh, they'd do it with their best friend. And then, so that kind of helps spiral there. And then I just spent a lot of time on Twitter, on my blog. Back then it was basically Twitter and my blog and I had a Facebook page. And Instagram started shortly after, but I was a little slow to that. But just talking to no one. That's what I was doing. I was out there talking to no one. That's what it felt like. I was waiting for that, you know, to turn into a conversation. But for a long time, it was just me showing up and kind of people, people found me. It took time. But again, I share that because it can look like, how do I go from one to a thousand, one to 10,000, whatever it might be. But that consistency, and I know you teach this too. There are so many more tips and tricks and shortcuts now, which is people like you are providing those, which is such a blessing. Everyone is just so lucky for that. But there's also that consistency factor of just showing up um, day after day and sending the tweet and writing the post and writing the email. I think, I don't know if I've missed a Thursday email. I mean, I'm probably, I've missed a few, but it usually intentionally, right? Like I took a week off or something, but for a decade. That's incredible. <laughs> so that's kind of crazy to think about that consistency there that just it, it works. Consistency works. Yeah. And I'm thinking back, I agree with you. I think the first thousand customers, first thousand leads, first thousand anything I think is the hardest because you do mm-hmm. start to get that momentum like you were talking about. They tell their friends and they join the conversation. And so personally, in my opinion, in my experience building businesses, the first thousand is the hardest because you are talking to no one. So mm-hmm. how did you work through that voice in your head? Because I'm, I'm imagining it was there. You're showing up on, you're tweeting every day and nobody's responding. Mm-hmm. How did you work past to keep showing up when nobody was listening? That's a good question. This is like, this is, you're taking me down memory lane. You know, I had a vision from the beginning and I think that's so important. I had a vision that other people couldn't see, but I could see it. And it was about empowering women and encouraging women and having this conversation that I thought was really important to have. So while I'm in the fitness space, I'm really kind of in a unique place in the fitness space where we talk about shifting our relationship with exercise and our bodies and our mindset. And it's exercise is one part of it, but it's just one part of it. And so I think for me, having that vision that I was really passionate about, that I really felt like this is what I'm called to do. This is what I'm supposed to be putting out in the world is what helped me to keep going, you know, and not feel like, should I just be doing something else? Should I switch to something else? Is this not resonating? Or is that like, it was, it was planted in me and it was my purpose. And so that helps, right. When you're figuring out what to do and what message to share, if it's something that you're really passionate about, you're, you want to get the word out, even if it takes time and, and every little bit, like you get a little bit, you know, of interaction or a little bit of response. And that's kind of enough to keep you going. So celebrating those small wins and realizing that if you are really clear and true on your vision, and sometimes people, it might take them a while to catch up, but they will. You said it was planted in me and it was my purpose. And my whole body got chills. I think Mm. listening to that, it was planted in me and it was my purpose. 
I just think there's so many people that can resonate with that, that, you know, I see something that nobody else can see, but I know that I'm supposed to be here. And what a beautiful reminder on those days where it feels like you're not getting traction or it's not growing fast enough. Okay. So going back to, you're just really over delivering to these first five, 10 clients. Mm-hmm. And they have a phenomenal experience. They tell their friends and family, which by the way, I don't want to breeze past this because that is proof of a great product and a great customer experience. And I think yeah. that is one of the best proof of concepts we need at the yeah. beginning of starting anything. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. That's another key thing is like, you got to figure out how to get people talking about what you're doing, right? So if it's good enough, they will tell their friends about it. And I kind of come back to that a lot. If they're not telling their friends about it, then there's something there that you can work on, that you can improve, that you can make it more impactful. But if it has an impact and it really um, moves something in their life or is, is good enough for them, they will tell their friends about it. So I find that to be like a driving force of kind of, like you said, proof of product or, or how you know if you're onto something as if they tell their friends about it. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think that looking at it from, instead of going out and trying to find new customers and new people, if you can't actually get your current customers, even if it's five people to spread the word and bring in new people, then I would spend more time focusing on those first five before trying to go out and get more. Mm -hmm. That's how I've built all my businesses. They've always been referral based. And even now in the digital space, yes, you might see our marketing external, but I guarantee when it comes to, you know, customers, clients, they'll tell you, I heard about you through so-and-so. And so so I love that. I love that piece of advice. Okay. I'm putting myself in your shoes and I'm thinking through this. You've run this program successfully a couple of times. It's growing. It's picking up steam. Was there ever a point where you said, oh, I can't keep selling the same thing? (laughs) Yes, totally. Um, So early on, I created a lot of different things, actually. All within Pilates and all, you know, kind of within the balanced life approach, but different. I, part of my thing was coming up with a new program. Okay. So every, once the Pilates body program ran its course, I was like, I have these people who are coming to me. So I need, I, what can, what else can I come up with? Like a new program. Essentially it was a new program, similar concept, but some fun twists on it or something else to keep it fresh and interesting and have them join and continue on with me. So early on, I actually created a new programs frequently throughout the year. And that's when it was just me. Um, I didn't have a team. Um, I maybe, you know, I added maybe one or two team members when I was still creating um, new content or new programs regularly. Because of that, it's like, you know, I need to keep coming up with new things so that people want to keep coming back. But it wasn't until I got to, I got to kind of think through like the timeline on this. I think I had two kids. Um, and so was feeling more of a juggle, right? With motherhood and work and my time and getting really focused on how to grow the business, but also still protect my time as a mother. Cause I really, my happy balance is being home a few days a week, like with my kids. And so that's when I read the book, Essentialism. Love and that I re- it's one of my favorite books. Yeah. Um, and I read the book, The One Thing. I read them around the same time. They're very similar in concept. And that's when I actually decided I needed to pare down what I was offering. So I actually kind of realized I was offering all of these different things, but what was I offering that was, that was the most scalable, was you know impacting the most amount of people and required the least amount of resources from me, right? So 
that exercise was when I pretty much started saying, you know what, I'm going to focus all in on the membership. So the Bounce Life Sisterhood was already going, but we were also running all of these other programs. And that's when I made the intentional decision with my team at the time to say, we're going to, all roads are going to lead to the membership and that's what we're going to focus on. And that shift was a game changer. So that we pretty much have been focusing now on the membership almost 100%, a few things here and there, but for the last five years, um, it started about six and a half years ago. So the last five years, and that was a game changer. So we can talk about like why that was, but it was also extremely, um, not extremely, but it was a shift for me as a creative person, right? You probably hear this from founders and entrepreneurs regularly. I love creating new things. I love the process of coming up with something new to sell or a new idea or new this. And so that's when I had to make the shift from solopreneur with lots of ideas and lots of things that could kind of do whatever I wanted to having a business that has a team that has a large member base that has to think about how this offer impacts this offer and how it uses the resources within our team and how it all flows together and what makes the most what's most cost effective. So I I made that shift and I'm really glad I did because it helped me with my work life balance as well. But now we're just at the point where so for those of you who are curious like saying do I need to sell like sell more things we're still offering the membership. Um, there are other things within that, but that's it for six, you know, five, six years. And it's awesome. And it allows us to really focus and do it well. And we're just now thinking about, okay, now with the infrastructure in place and now with our members where they're at, what's the next step on the journey for them? And how do we want to support them in that? So I love hearing that story because I'm thinking in particular about entrepreneurs going from the first zero to six figures and then six to seven, if, if that's your goal, right? And the first zero to six, I think you're right. You have to just try a bunch of things and see what works and what sticks and, and what's, what's going to get you started. But I personally believe that what takes you to the next level is doing one or a few things very, very well. And you are living proof that you don't have to you know, I hear people say, but what if I'm like leaving money on the table? There's nothing else for them to buy and I need to create something. And what I really admire about your business is it's this one thing. It's this one thing. So you created a seven figure business with what's your membership price point? $24 a month. Actually, we just increased that $27 a month. <laughs> okay. I'm like in awe of you right now. You made it to seven <laughs> figures with $24 a month in a monthly subscription price. So your average customer is like what? $300? What's, that, what's the annual price? It's $199 for a year. Okay. So okay. yeah. If you're listening to <laughs> stop what you're doing, put down your pencils, stop doing the math. I mean, don't, I'm that the narrative that you have to sell a lot of things or you have to do high ticket or it has to be really expensive. You built a seven figure business from your living room with children with one $24 a month product. Yes. That, I, my mind is blown. <laughs> How did you do that? Talk us through the timeline <laughs> and what that looked like. Yeah. Well, for me, well, let me tell you, it started at $9 a month. Okay. So talking about pricing, and I know this is something that is always like a challenge for us as business owners, not for everyone, for me it was, but I really, my, when I first launched it, it was so basic like so basic. It was not what it is now. So another encouragement to those who are just starting out, it was a password protected blog with links to workouts. That's it. 
now there's a whole, you know, membership area and an app and all these different things. But at the time it was a password protected blog and a Facebook page. And it was $9 a month. And my thought process there was, I want it to be so such an easy yes for people. I just want them to be like, yes. And I also wanted it to be like under $10. Oh, I'll keep that membership because yeah. <laughs> I wasn't really yeah. sure like that I did have proof of concept yet at that point. Right. So over time, price increases to $13 a month to $17 a month as we added content. Right. So it wasn't just price increase. I mean, they were getting a lot more value than the people who came in at $9 a month when there was one workout in the library. <laughs> I think there were three, but now, you know, there's tons and tons. And so, um, we added, we did a price increases as we added value. And as the membership got more robust and everything just continued to improve just to reflect that value. But when we did that, this is something that's important to think about. We always locked our members in at their current rate. So we've never raised our prices on our members. And that, you know, you could do that. You could. And yes, again, you would make some more money in some ways if you did that, if you think of it that way. But what we always think about is retention. And also just building that relationship with our members to know that we genuinely value you. We genuinely care about you. So we have members who are still $9 members. We have members who are $13 members. We have members who are $17 members, you know, and when we increase the price, we make sure to tell them like we've increased the price, but because, you know, we want to honor you and you are now grandfathered in or however you want to say it, locked in at your rate for as long as you maintain your membership. And then they feel so grateful. Um, and never want to cancel, right? Because they feel like, wow, I'm so grateful that they didn't raise the price on me. And so that retention is something that builds year after year. So when you think about having a low, low priced product, people, I mean, I'm, I'm in a lot of masterminds and groups of people who have really high priced products. And I, I'm like, oh, I, I see the differences there. But when you think of recurring revenue, right? So it's recurring revenue and that's key for the lower priced model. And then also just what you can do to retain members year after year. That's how you can kind of, I mean, the benefit there is huge, right? Because it's recurring and they don't just spend $24 and leave. Yeah. They stick around and you build a relationship with them and it, it allows that relationship to build so that down the road there can be, you know, you can support them in other ways too. I just keep thinking this is such a smart long game. Like you couldn't have played this smarter if you tried because I'm realizing as you're telling me this, there's probably, you probably have $9 a month members still. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, So, okay. So you people have been paying you $9 a month for 10 years. Yeah. Like that is the ability to stay so focused on one vision, one purpose, one product, when you said consistency is important and that's how you got where you went, where you are, you meant consistency is how you got where you are. (laughs) And I think about how often as entrepreneurs, we get, you know, I've started, I think five businesses in the past 10 years. Like I love the beginning stages. And so how do you get through those periods of burnout or you're not feeling as inspired? I mean, doing the same thing. Like I'm so impressed by you right now. Well, I have to say that's very true. Like I intended to be very consistent and very focused. And part of that, I will say for those who are listening, who do have a family and have children, that for me has actually been one of the greatest blessings because 
I, it has caused me to streamline. So I, you know, there have been times where it's like, could I do this? Could I do that? Like, yes, but not at an expense for me and the particular life balance that I've wanted to have, right? So every person is different. Every entrepreneur is different in what feels good for them and how much they want to work or how big of projects they want to take on. I really, really value peace of mind and low stress. (laughs) So I make decisions based on of those values. So there were, I remember going to mastermind groups and people would say, oh, you know, you could take this and you could teach other people how to do this. Or have you ever thought of high-end coaching? Or have you ever thought of this? And it's tempting. And I love as someone who has, does love starting new things too. I'm, I'm like, I could do that. You're right. But when it comes down to it, I have chosen to stay laser focused and protect my peace. And so that's something that, again, it's going to look different for everyone. And, um, but that is what has worked for me. And I've had four kids in the last, you know, however you want to say it, five years, six years or something. And so that's taken a lot out of me. So that focus has been key for me to be able to accomplish anything since, since having those children. And I'm looking forward to, um, my kids getting a little bigger and having a little more headspace and time to be able to expand and, and step into different areas. But for me, it served me really well and my family really well. And then I think you mentioned one thing about how did I not get bored? You know, there are a lot of ways to channel creativity and I've had to explore that. So I have these members and even though we're offering one thing every month, I come we put out new content for them. So every month I have an opportunity to come up with a new idea or a new twist on a workout or a new um, thing that we're going to do live as a community, or we have Pilates day that we celebrate or our sisterhood anniversaries. Like they're within the framework of what we're offering. There's a lot of opportunity to still be creative, even if that's on social media or different things like that. So I've channeled that into um, not coming up with you know, new business ideas that take away from my focus at the time being, but I know that's coming, but I needed to get this really solidified and clear. And there's still so much potential for me first before I got distracted by other things. Yeah. I love what you were saying along the lines of getting clear on what you valued as a person and then Mm -hmm. building a business around that. And I genuinely, genuinely believe no matter what kind of business style you're choosing, that it comes out. Well, we really, what we say we value and what we actually value might not be the same thing because you're making decisions based off the things that are most important to you. And we do have the ability to create a business that ease is one of the most important things for you. And you made decisions accordingly. And I I just, I love thinking through who am I, what do I want? What do I want my life to look like? Yes. I'd love to go deeper into this motherhood conversation because I remember when I first found you maybe five, six years ago, how old your oldest? Just turned eight. Okay. So had, had you built, did you, did you hit seven figures in revenue before you had children after? I'd love to no. hear like no, how no, no, no. having kids, I thought, I thought it was after, right? How did having kids change the way that you ran your business and your life and it's mm. not easy. I mean, oh my gosh, yeah. I'm proud to be a mom entrepreneur, but what are some top tips that you would give to another woman who maybe started a business and is, wants to scale it, but also wants to start a family? Like, how do you navigate those two? Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's such a good question. So, no, when I had my first 
daughter, I was, I was running online programs, but I hadn't launched the sisterhood yet. Um, and it was tough times. We were, you know, I was just getting started. My husband had a job that totally fell through. So we were in that, like, how are we going to pay rent mode for quite a while? So yeah, that was when Blake was born. Although it was a great season of life, which is so fun to look back on is that, you know, how those things can coexist together. One of the hardest times financially and yet one of the sweetest times of my life. But I can say that it has changed dramatically since I had Blake to where I am now with four kids and the, the level of the business that it's at now. And part of that is the growth of the business. Part of that is the growth of the family. And what I love about it is that it has looked so different at every phase that it's a good reminder that there's not one way to do it, right? So who I was when I had Blake and what my life looked like is very different than where I'm at now with four kids and you know doing what I'm doing. So with Blake, I didn't have any childcare help. I mean... I take that back. My cousin would come over a few mornings a week for a few hours and I would be panicked. I had a lot of anxiety about her uh, being out of my care, like mm-hmm. leaving her with anyone. Mm-hmm. So what I would do during that time is I would, I was just talking to Matt about this, nap time, it was go time. I used every nap time to work. So I was really intentional about getting my babies to nap. All of them have been good nappers because I needed those nap times for my work time. So I was a nap time warrior for many years. Also during that time, I would wake up in the morning at like, I don't know, maybe five in the morning or something and go to the coffee shop down the street and get in like an hour and a half of writing on my blog and doing, you know, running my programs before my husband would go to work. Not every day. No, I want Um, to just stop and like honor you for that because when you have a newborn, you're not sleeping through the night. Or even if you're lucky you're sleeping through the night, you're still like nursing yeah. all day longer. It's like, it, that is, I cannot get up at 5 a.m. now. Let yeah, alone, I wouldn't do it now. So. <laughs> I mean, but that just shows the commitment to your vision that, yeah. okay, you don't have nine to five with childcare mm-hmm. baby to make this happen. So mm-hmm. where can you find those pockets? Okay, nap time, check done. All right. Where can I find another pocket, you know, five to six 30 mm-hmm. or whatever that yeah. looks like. And, and I, w- I want to honor you and also give other women permission that it doesn't have to be in these huge, you know, huge stretches. There's so yeah. much you can do that really does move the needle in little bursts of time. That's it very really best. Yeah. And, and if you're, you know, for me, I could get excited about it. It actually provided an opportunity for me to do something, you know, switch out of mommy mode for an hour Mm -hmm. or two. And I would actually get like, yes, it was early. I didn't like that part, but I liked getting up, getting a coffee, having a little time to start my day and, you know, start my day that way and then come home and be a mom all day. So that was, but that's what it looked like then, you know, over the years, I, maybe we added a little bit of childcare. Once we had Kincaid, we had our second, a little bit of childcare. So I was working, you know, again in like three to four hour chunks and making it work. It was after we had him that I was like, okay, (laughs) something kind of needs to change here and had to have conversations about childcare or about really with my husband about, that's when I said to him, if this is going to keep going, it can't just be my thing. It's got to be our thing. And so that was just a shift of mindset for us. But when it was my thing, I was still 
primary caregiver of the children. And I honestly probably still, eh, it's changed a lot this last year. Um, but as the mom, you know, that happens. I've yeah. been a breastfeeding mom and things like that. So, but mentally we had to make that shift to where it was our thing together, not just my thing, because I felt like if it was just my thing, his job was taking all the focus and it naturally did because he worked more hours. He didn't have flexibility, whereas I did. That's been a challenge over the years. But just mentally being able to have that conversation as this is our business, even though he wasn't really in it at the time, he was doing some bookkeeping and things like that for me. But it, but it was a mental shift that we had to make that made a really big difference. Oh, that's so powerful. And I like that joint ownership of the outcome mm-hmm. and the lifestyle, not necessarily the business. Like you said, right. he wasn't, but this he is like for as a partner, our family. Yeah. But I, in life, like I, I need you to be on my side and here's what this looks like. And mm-hmm. it's so interesting because I do think a lot of times in a lot of, you know, for a lot of women, it does default to my partner's career is first or mm-hmm. more important, especially if you're an entrepreneur. I think sometimes we get the short end of the stick because yeah. it's like we can be flexible. So totally. we are. Yeah. And then, you know, there's a sick day I can't take off. You know, my my it's not acceptable, but you can. And yep. so and then you you've got one kid, then you've got two, three, four. Those sick days start adding up. Oh and my just, gosh. Yeah. What are the some of the things that helped you to navigate that conversation? Because I'm thinking specifically, you know, after a year of COVID, there are so many women in this situation where they've been fully in charge of caretaking, fully in charge of, you know, still doing their job. They're working so many more hours. How would you, how do you navigate this situation to help shift the dynamic from your thing to our thing yeah. without bringing them on and giving them an employee paycheck? Yeah, right. So in that, in that first shift that we made, it really was having the conversation. I think that was the biggest thing and coming at it from not, a, I mean, I'm sure I had came at it from an attacking standpoint from time to time, but that's not the goal. If you're coming in with, you know, learning from what I did wrong, you know, coming in from that, Hey, this is for us. Like if I'm going to, like at this point, the business was picking up, right? So it was clearly adding revenue or, you know, income to our family. And it was becoming something that was not just a side hobby, but was actually like, we're relying on this to pay our mortgage. (laughs) So having that conversation was a huge shift because I think for him that that didn't register for him on his own. It was just, um, you know, it was my thing and it had kind of grown steadily and slowly. And so just bringing that into his awareness for us was really helpful. So then we could have those kinds of conversations like, okay, you know, childcare is not just for me. It's for us. Like if we hire a nanny two mornings a week, that's a joint decision. And that's for our family. It's not just like for me. I think that's really subtle, but starting to have those conversations and get him on board. And thankfully he was, he understood that and, and got on board with it was really helpful. And then down the road, you know, it's continued to change over time with each kid and with each year of growth. So that's the one thing I would encourage people to know too, that there will be a lot of seasons. This is true for kids and also for, I think, relationships when you're growing a business. What worked one month, one year, one quarter might not work the next year, month, quarter, depending on what it is. And so having a conversation, an opportunity to have a lot of conversations regularly to reevaluate is super helpful because what worked for us when we had two kids doesn't work for us anymore when we had four. And we got to the point where we really were having what felt like dueling careers. It didn't feel that way until really the twins were born. (laughs) Everything 
<laughs> exploded. Um, but As really probably happens when you have twins, I imagine. Yeah, right. Yeah. Everything explodes. But this can happen when you add a second kid. This can happen when you move. It can happen anytime there's a transition where it was like what you said, Shannon. It was like when a kid is sick, it was always on me. I lost my whole work day. When someone needed to go to the doctor, I brought them to the doctor. I all of that was falling on me because he was out of the home and I was flexible. And so what I noticed is when resentment started building, that's when we needed to have some serious conversations because resentment is dangerous, right? Like I was starting to resent his work. Like I, and him, I was starting, I was like, I'm mad at you for going to work right now. Like I'm mad at you, (laughs) not your work, not the situation. I'm mad at you. And when we started to realize that creeping in again, that was just another, like, let's call this out. Let's name this and figure out if there are any solutions we can put into place to help lift some of that resentment. Yeah, I just so deeply resonate. I mean, I could talk about this for another hour. We're not going to, but I so Mm -hmm. deeply resonate. And I think that there's a lot of women that go through this with like that word you said, these dueling careers. When you are Mm -hmm. an ambitious, high achieving woman, like most of people listening to this podcast, right? You want so much and you're not, you're not willing to be in a position where everything is in the shadows and you're second to, and, you know, and that might not be what you've seen modeled. And I think that even if you did see it model, it's, it takes communication and constant shifting mm-hmm. and keeping that conversation open. So I love, love, love that feedback. I would love to hear more about, okay, so we're all busy entrepreneurs listening here, or we're you know high achieving women that are working our way up in, in their careers. I'm obviously a huge fitness health nut. That's very important to me. Talk to us a little bit more about the program and the balanced life and why you want women to implement Pilates into their lifestyle and some of the benefits of that and kind of how we can as entrepreneurs and CEOs benefit from Pilates in our lifestyle. Yeah. So even stemming off what we were just talking about in how being women who are driven business owners, if you have a family at home, having extra responsibilities on your plate there, um, not to mention even friendships or volunteering or all of these different things we didn't even talk about. Um, as women, it can be really hard to prioritize our health and well-being, right? Because we've got so many things that we're responsible for or the demands of the day that we just have to keep up with. So the whole balanced life approach is really about figuring out a realistic way to prioritize your health and well-being in the midst of a very busy and full life. And so we really talk a lot about the kind of similar to my journey as a business owner, but the value of consistency Mm -hmm. and how every little bit counts. So similar to the business story, right? Every little blog post, every little tweet, every little day that I showed up, the same is true for taking care of ourselves and exercise. And I think it's really easy in the fitness world to think I need to do this fancy program. I need to buy this fancy piece of equipment. I need to do a workout that's an hour. I need to post a picture about it. I need to be sweaty, like all of this, (laughs) which is awesome if you can make that work and that's your style and it fits for you, like more power to you. But Don't let that get in the way of the value of just consistently taking care of yourself and, you know, realizing that every little bit counts, whether that's a 10 minute Pilates workout, which we have a lot of 10 to 15, 20, like very realistic workout lengths so that you can sneak it in. If you're like me, you have, I have this window before 
work starts while my husband's with the kids and before he goes to work and I just sneak in that workout and, um, day after day, just that habit of showing up for yourself and prioritizing your health and well-being has a ripple effect that is so important and so big that, um, that's really like what fuels my passion. So Pilates itself, one of the reasons it works so well is it's really efficient. So Shannon, have you done Pilates? Do you know? Yeah. Have you? Yeah. So it's really efficient, right? So it's um, designed to, so that every movement is intentional and is thoughtful. So you're focusing on which muscle you're engaging, how you're breathing, how you're moving, where you're feeling it. So you can get it really effective workout in a short amount of time versus, you know, kind of when you go to the gym and you spend like a few minutes, like in the locker room and then filling up your water, like, you know, you can get on your mat and you can do 15 minutes and you're going to use that time. And you're not only going to build strength, but you're also going to get the mental benefits and the mindfulness benefits from the breathing, the focus. And so it's, to me, it's like this just awesome package of exercise and also mindfulness. If you're not someone that likes to meditate, you can kind of get your meditation wrapped into your workout and then you can kind of go on with your day. So I could go on and on about that, but that's my nutshell there. (laughs) Well, I'm almost afraid to say this, but you are so consistent. (laughs) I was thinking about how, you know, when I, I'm come from an athletic background and if you can't like go hard, don't go at all, right. Go big or go home. And I have definitely been a victim of, I don't have time to put my gym clothes on and get a 45 minute workout. So I'm just not going to do it at all. And Uh I was thinking back to when you were saying nap time, sometimes this can be very short, right? And you didn't say, Mm -hmm. Oh, I barely have time to even get productive and get in the zone. So I'm just going to also take a nap or do something around the house or whatever needs to happen. And you applied that same principle to to Pilates. And it, there's, I have 10 minutes during my day, a million times during the day. What I don't have is 45 or yeah. 65, but capitalizing on those 10 minutes here and there, I've never even thought to do a 10 minute workout. I'm going to be perfectly honest. Yeah. And I feel like you've just blown my mind. We can find 10 minutes between a meeting. And what's so great about this program in particular is we can do it on our computer in between meetings, right? Totally. Or I'll pop it up on your phone. So I know you have these phenomenal challenges. Tell us more about how we can do a balanced life challenge and start implementing these 10 minute workouts. I'm gonna challenge everyone to do it. Yeah, it's great. Like even if you're doing it in addition to something else you do, right? Like you said, sneak it in. We know that the power of taking movement breaks in your day is so important. It's gonna increase your focus. It's gonna increase your productivity. So even if you're like working hard on a project, to take 10 minutes to do Pilates, to get back into your body, to get your blood flowing, your oxygen flowing can bring you back. You know, I encourage my team to do this all the time. Like take breaks in your day, come back to work. You'll be fresher. You'll feel better. You'll put out better content. Um, So we do these free challenges just to help women try it. Like to kind of, like you said, like try this approach, see how it feels, see if there's a ripple effect for you that happens because I bet there will be. And so we do these free five-day challenges and it's five days the workouts are just 15 minutes um, and there's different themes. So Pilates for posture or Pilates for core strength or energy, just these kind of different things to help you get through your week. And you can do it all at home, no equipment necessary. And we just send them straight to your inbox. So you can literally just open them, press play, do your workout and then get on with your day. Amazing. We will link up to your free challenge in the show notes. I'm going to encourage all of you. I want to do this, a five-day challenge. Uh, I didn't realize it's only 15 minutes a day. I'm like, this yeah. yeah. 
This is something we can actually commit to. Yes. Here. yes. Where can our listeners find you? Uh, tell us your website. Where do you hang out online? Are you still on Twitter? Are you spend more time on Instagram? Where can they hit follow mm, um, so yeah. they can learn more, n- not just about the balanced life, but follow you and your journey as well? Yeah. So I'm over on Instagram at The Balanced Life. And our website is thebalancedlifeonline.com. And I'm not on Twitter anymore. I put up a little tweet probably a few years ago that was like, I'm over on Instagram. Come find me there. Had to streamline at one point in my life. But that's where we're at. So you can find the links to all kinds of things, free workouts, the challenge, other helpful resources to help you find more balance and do a little more Pilates in your life. Amazing. And Robin, if you could give your younger self 10 years ago, one piece of advice, you're just starting a business. That's one of my favorite questions to ask. What advice or wisdom would you tell your younger self? Mm, This is so good. So many things, but I will say that one of the most impactful exercises, it's really a thought exercise that I did that really changed my life and I think has the power to change many lives is asking myself, um, what are some of the limiting beliefs that are holding me back? So I remember for me specifically, I had this strong desire and ambition to grow the balanced life and grow this community and build something big and have a big impact. But I also really wanted to be a present mom and an engaged mom. And I realized, I believed when I did this exercise that they were mutually exclusive or if I pursued one, it would be at the expense of the other. So my exercise was, well, what if that doesn't have to be true? What if I can do this and still be a very present and engaged mom and realizing those limiting beliefs um, freed me up to pursue it and realize that it is possible, that it doesn't mean you have to work more or you have to never be around or you have to be constantly stressed out all the time. So what if that wasn't true? So kind of asking yourself that question is something I would have told myself a lot earlier. And I think I would have uh, been free to pursue things without guilt. That's such beautiful advice. This whole interview has been so phenomenal. I want to go back and re-listen. Thank you so much for sharing your time with us. I encourage you all to follow Robin online at The Balanced Life. Go sign up for the free five-day trial. Thank you for sharing your wisdom with us and coming on the show. Oh my gosh, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. We want to invite you to follow CEO School on Instagram for show notes, inspiration, and exclusive behind the scenes you won't find anywhere else. We also have an absolutely incredible free resource for you. It's the seven lessons we learned building seven and eight figure businesses. These are complete game changers and we want to give it to you completely free. All you have to do is leave a review of the podcast, why you love listening, screenshot the review and email it to hello at ceoschoolpodcast.com and we'll send it your way. See you in the next class.